Welcome to the Dementia Researcher podcast, brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk, a network for early career researchers. Hello, my name is Joe Barnes and welcome to our podcast for the NIHR Dementia Researcher website. This week we'll be looking at a rather hot topic, which is how to manage family life and a successful research and academic career. I'm joined today by three people who are, I know have lots of experience on this topic. We have Gemma Lace-Costigan, who is a lecturer in biomedical science from the University of Salford. We've got Tamron Lashley, who is a principal research fellow working at Queen Square Brain Bank and is funded by an Alzheimer's Research UK senior fellowship. And we have Dr Angelique Mavradaris, who is a clinical research fellow and consultant in public health medicine at the Cambridge Institute of Public Health, which is part of the University of Cambridge. Importantly, Angelique can discuss the additional difficulty of balancing work and family life when work has research and clinical components. Today, people frequently talk about work-life balance. When that work is research, it brings with it an added layer of complexity. The way research posts are funded and delivered can make the decision to start a family difficult, assuming that is that it's a conscious decision. And that's before you even try to find a balance and work out how to keep everything running smoothly. And this isn't just a problem for women. However, we must recognise that the number of women who continue into senior positions is improving, but there is still a long way to go. Combining family and home life with the demands of research and the funding cycles, it's not surprising that a career can impinge on family life too. So like all busy parents, we can find creative ways to manage. And when you get the balance right, I'm told it's fantastically rewarding. If we can start with a quick round table, can you tell me a little bit about your research and your life outside work? If we start with um, Dr Lace Costigan. No problem. Um, so I'm Gemma Lace Costigan and I'm from the University of Salford. I'm a biomedical science lecturer and I've got a research group which is really interested in looking at why abnormal proteins build up in disease and why the systems that usually function to clear these abnormal proteins don't seem to work in diseases like Alzheimer's and frontotemporal dementia. Um, when I'm not um, at work and managing my teaching and admin and research workloads, I've got two kids. I've got a seven-year-old girl called Eve and a four-year-old boy called Jax. And we like to go on adventures together and we like to do martial arts together. That sounds really exciting. Can I come and spend a day with you? That of sounds course. great. Um, moving on to Tamarin, do you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm Tamarin Lashley. I'm a Principal Research Fellow at Queen Square Brain Bank at UCL. Um, the focus of my research is pathological investigations of dementia. Um, I head up a team of three postdocs, um, a research technician and 11 PhD students at the moment as well as do sporadic teaching on MSc and BSc courses. Um, outside of work, I've got three children, um, Eden, who's 16, um, Ethan, 14, and Erin, who's nine. So they keep me busy outside of work. Um, yeah, busy life. <laughs> Very busy, have three. And Angelique? So I'm Angelique and I'm a clinical research fellow based at the Institute of Public Health in Cambridge and my research looks at the impact of infections on dementia progression. The idea being that if there is something that 
infection is doing to progress dementia a little bit faster, that we actually have a lot that we can do about it. Um, I'm also a bit of a hybrid, so I'm a consultant in public health medicine, and I lead on our older people services portfolio where I design, commission, and um, deliver on services for older people. Outside of work, I'm a new mum. My little girl is eight months old. Her name is Venya. And this is a mini disclaimer as well, because I'm still seriously suffering from the effects of baby brain. I will do as best as I can. Oh, so, so am I. So, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go away. <laughs> Not really, no. Um, and just to say a bit about me, um, my name's Jay Barnes. I work at the Dementia Research Centre, which is um, in Queen Square, part of the ION, the Institute of Neurology, part of UCL. Um, and I look at the presumed vascular um, components of Alzheimer's disease, and I look at imaging mainly to sort of um, quantify vascular load in individuals and see how that um, is associated with progression of Alzheimer's disease. Um, outside of work, I um, have two children. I have a six-year-old boy who's at school and um, a two-year-old girl who's still at nursery. Um, so that's me. Um, so if we start off um, with the first real question, um, what is your ideal work-life balance and do you have that currently? If I pass to Gemma to answer that... Okay, so firstly I would say that this ideology of, of work-life balance is something that is up for discussion, I think. At any given time it's very difficult to have what I guess people assume is a work-life balance. Um, me personally, I, I tend to fluctuate between being really wrapped up in work and 100% head in the zone and then snap out it again so that I can hopefully be a decent parent. I think having work-life balance will mean different things to different people. For me, it means me being able to do things, to be able to do the things that you want to do and not have to say, oh, actually, I can't do that because of work. It's being able to, you know, go and do things with your family and be there for your family and attend the school plays and the sports days and do everything that you, you, you hope and you aspire to do as a parent without your work life suffering. So um, I do think... Do you manage to get to most things or do you find that you only get to some of the things that you want to go I to? I think I get to, I manage to get to <clears throat> most of them, but there are <clears throat> certain situations I think that's just a, a way of how the culture is set up some things you can't get to so one example is if you know of a parents evening a couple of weeks in advance you can probably make provisions to get to it yeah. however there are sometimes some some things that you can't so one thing that happens at my kids school is that there there is a, a, an award ceremony every friday for a child you find out at one o'clock you get a text to say that your child's been nominated for an award or is going to receive an award and can you be at school within an hour and so things like that as a working parent is it's really difficult. difficult. It's quite prejudiced mm. against working parents because it means that you can't get to those kind of events. However, other things usually um, can be quite flexible. I've managed to do most parents' evenings, but I missed the last parents' evening because I was at the Alzheimer's Research UK conference last oh, week. Last week so yeah. <laughs> as I'm going again, I've got to repeat one set up for tomorrow. Oh, so you, you can usually... Uh, sort of schedule in something yeah, yeah. I think yeah. if I think if you if you have your kids at a school which has some flexibility and you, obviously your employers um, are supportive as well we've got really good um, initiatives in place at the University of Salford to kind of um, inf 
empower working families to be able to have some flexibility in the workplace mm. um, and be as long as you manage your own workload effectively I think there are ways of overcoming some of the challenges that you face yeah and Tamara, do you, do you find the same? Because you you have children at at school. Yeah, so I think well. my work life balance it's so intertwined. I mean, my laptop travels practically everywhere with me. So any spare five minutes, half an hour, you know, I can catch up with a bit of work. Um, ever since well, I started my PhD, and I had two children during my PhD, um, mm. as if it wasn't busy enough as it was. <laughs> um, I've always worked at, at home on a Friday, um, mm. and that was just the working setup that I had with my supervisor at the time. It was very understanding of me having children during my PhD, which was amazing because even though the, the children were with me at home on a Friday, I still had hours when they were sleeping that I could work, and then you'd catch up with work in the evenings or at weekends but also saved me uh, money for childcare costs which mean which meant I could pursue the PhD because having two children at nursery you know was just extortionate amount of money to put them there um mm. also for me having a completely understanding and supportive other half has meant I can pursue my academic career so he works at home which is amazing so one of us will attend you know the parents evening and having three we have quite a few parents evening as as well as an and our youngest has special needs so we have double triple the amount of parents evenings for her as well as medical appointments for her mm. so there's always one of us around um and shared diaries are amazing <laughs> we know where everybody is at the same time which we've added the older two children on now now they're more independent than mm. they're out and about doing things as well so, yeah, at any one time we know where the other person is. So it's, yeah, organisation is, I guess, the key. Mm. Um, but it's just so intertwined and having the academic career, it's not a nine-to-five career. So things are often done to catch up with admin work in an evening when the kids are in bed. And often, you know, I need to take an hour here or there to support the kids with something during the day. Um, but that's doable and having the, that, the academic career is quite flexible mm. in that respect. So... Oh, that's, yeah, so so it sort of works. It's it's works its way out, but yeah. it's, it's quite it's difficult. To it is difficult, but as long plan. as you stay organised, mm. plans. I've got lists coming out of my ear: work yeah. lists, home yeah. lists, yeah. kids yeah. lists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. never get completed, but you just live with that, and you just move on from day to day, and yeah. just do the best you can each yeah. day, really, and yeah. don't feel guilty about anything because you just can't and you just wouldn't be it's able to it's a waste to. of energy isn't it is it? a waste yeah. of energy yeah. to feel guilty so yeah. sports days that I can't make you know you make up for it in other ways with the kids mm. or you try and make the next one um, mm. but yeah at the end of the day the kids come first um, so if there is an emergency then I know from this kind of career that I can just go and mm. support them when needed but likewise I still put the effort in um, to pursue my career as well so. and support students as well because that's it yeah, it's, yeah. yeah support sometimes them. it feels like everybody's pulling doesn't it mm-hmm. yeah Angelique because you're rather more new to having children mm-hmm. than the rest of us are you how are you finding things um I mean it's she's amazing my little girl and I always try to just remember that she's now you know the, the priority and, and something that I just I'm crazy about but I think I've had to even from before um, I was struggling not struggling but it's it, it's something you've got to be conscious of managing a clinical plus an academic career and getting that balance right so now there's an added dimension to getting the balance right I guess 
Um, so I've had to become a lot stronger in terms of managing expectations. So I think before I wanted to be stronger just so that I could protect my academic career in a sense because maybe hours are a little bit more flexible and your clinical work then tends to jump into that and people tend to kind of encroach on that. But now I'm having to sort of protect academic time as well. So mm. I've had to be a lot stronger about managing expectations, both at work, with myself as well, and saying that you can get to some things, you won't get to some things, it's okay. Mm. So it's just trying to understand and be quite open about what you can achieve with all your bosses, with yourself, with your partner, etc. Mm. And then trying to do your best to make it work. And do you do you feel guilty at all being relatively new to this? I know eight months actually feels like quite a long time. When you, <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it feels like you, yeah, can't imagine life without them by that point. But um, do you do you feel guilty at all? Because we've touched on that a little bit. I think I think I started out feeling guilty, especially mm. when I was missing things. Um, I've been quite fortunate in that my mom's been helping out at home, so she'd send me pictures of my little girl clapping for the first time, mm. and I'd feel, oh, I missed that, I missed that, and I know I'm going to miss other things as well. Um, but I think I'm really lucky that I have two great bosses, both mm. my academic and my clinical boss, women. They've had three kids each and a great group of friends who are all working moms as well. And I think that really puts it into perspective. Mm. So, you know, for us, it's it's just something we talk about, something that's normal. We'll get to some things. We won't get to many, to all of them. And um, it helps with the guilt. So mm. I don't think I feel as guilty anymore because there are a lot of people out there doing it. Um, I'm just one of them and mm. I think in the end you can actually do both pretty well mm. and they can complement each other too Yeah, I was thinking um, when I was preparing for this a little bit, uh, surprisingly I did prepare but <laughs> for a very short time because well that's, the, that's, the, that's the problem with this nowadays isn't it, it's trying yeah. to shoehorn everything in but I was thinking when was the last time I felt guilty and I think it was um, last year when my son was Joseph in the nativity play and I couldn't go because I mm. had to do a viva which you know that's somebody's exam I can't ask them to reschedule that so I said to my son I'm really sorry but I'm not going to make it and he looked at me and straight in the eye and went oh boo hoo hoo <laughs> yeah me feeling guilty is not helpful to anybody he doesn't care where I am you know and actually some of it got recorded and Anyway, so you know, it's it's I I have sort of most of the time moved past that feeling because it's mm. you just you don't to. almost don't have time for that feeling after a while. And I think they the, the my children certainly don't see anything different. You know, mm. um, both their mum and dad work, and mm. that's what they see, and they think it's quite normal. So that's yeah. the important thing of it is once it becomes normal and. You know, the it is wasted energy feeling guilty. Yeah. yeah. Because you, you, I think you can do anything that you want, but you can't do everything that you want. No. And you've just got to prioritise. You've got to, you know, look and see what what's going, what's most important at any given time, and weigh it all up, and you know, make plans for when you know that you're going to miss something. Just have something in the pipeline then. So if you know you're going to miss a play for example like you just said then okay so we've got the seaside at the weekend and we yeah. eat too much ice cream so yeah. you you know you compensate don't you you yeah. and, and that's i think that's how you mm. you learn to manage it and mm. eventually it, that that guilt does go away because you you just plan for it yeah. you, you know that it's coming and so mm. you just kind of have a planning yeah. in place you just get very good at planning mm. like Tamara yeah. said you just write lists <laughs> and plan and you have yeah, a very full diary and i think very, that the benefit yeah. of it as well because i actually feel like a better mum 
going to work and doing my thing. Yeah. You know, I feel mm-hmm. I can actually go back home and I'm better. Yeah. So I think you appreciate good. and use your time more effectively when you're mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're not with them all the time, then you, you kind of make it real quality time mm-hmm. when you can. Yeah. Um, can't do it all the mm-hmm. time, but it means I just, I think, I know, especially when my kids were really little and at the age where they, they can be quite, quite difficult when they're really little. Mm. Just being able to step away and then step back, back in mm. again is is quite. It, it makes you kind of a stronger mom and a mm. more confident mom and, and more also, patient. And you're also a role model, and I think that's mm. important for both girls and boys. You mm. know that they do see that things are equal. If we are, if the ideal society and that well, that's a whole different podcast <laughs> is for an equal society. <laughs> then actually, then then actually mm-hmm. seeing Absolutely, mums yeah. and dads working is really very important, um, and very important for boys too to see mums working. Mm. That yeah, they definitely. don't think that necessarily mums, you know, there's nothing wrong with making the choice that one parent stays at home if you can afford to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know um, that that isn't necessarily how things have to be. For me as well, yeah. though, I mean, picking the kids up from school, I used to pick them up on a Friday, but I'd get looks from other mums that weren't able to stay at home mm. or chose to stay at home. But they were like, how could you um, give the responsibility? So my husband is the the next of kin on everything at school, any mm. school trip, they'll call him if there's an emergency. Mm. So as a mother, that's, you know, I've handed that responsibility over to him, but that's fine. That He's part of the team as well. Mm. But other mothers were questioning that when I would go and pick the kids up. It doesn't bother me at all. It seemed to bother them more than it, mm. than it yeah. does me for some reason. But I think it's working as that team. Mm. Um, to have that other, you know, we are a team. He's their father, I'm their mother. Mm. So it, it shouldn't matter whether, no, wh- not at who, all. Which yeah. of you actually is yeah. the, the person that goes and does that? On that note, do you feel in sort of your groups of friends or people that you know from school or nursery or whatever, um, do you feel that you should, as the woman, say that I really do want to be at home, I just can't? Is there ever that pressure? to sort of express that or do you feel the pressure at all in any way? I've never felt that because I never wanted to stay at home so (laughs) (laughs) I've always wanted to have a career or have you know contribute to the household in in the way that I do but so for me that was never a question of me ever saying that at all does any does anybody else feel that that is the pressure from other i don't even know whether it comes from within but i sometimes feel it that i should be explaining why i am working as opposed to you know why, yeah. yeah why not um i remember when um my daughter was really young i, I remember going to a, a baby group and listening to all the mums sat around essentially slagging off working mums saying why do oh, people nice. have children if they're going to go back to work and as I was sat there my daughter was about three months old I was really looking forward to going back to work and Mm, embracing a new job and you know and and I think it's an issue an issue with society I I personally didn't feel any problem I didn't feel guilty at all Mm. and I've never felt guilty about wanting to go to work Mm. and because uh, like you said, it ma- it makes you a, a better mother. I mm, think you if you're if you're addressing mm. all parts of your personality, where yeah. you get to be all versions of yourself, the motherly version of yourself, mm. the leader, the academic, the mentor. If you're getting to be all those, but all those different parts of you essentially make you a good parent. Yeah. 
Um, I've never felt the pressure from myself. I've never felt that I've had to conform, but that might just say something about my personality (laughs) more than anything else. Um, (laughs) But I've got got friends who... um, who don't work most of my friends do work but I do have friends um who don't work and they've never they would never say to me oh don't you ever just think you could just stay at home because they all know me well enough to know that I I would go out of my mind (laughs) very quickly I think I think to some degree and I've spoken with my um female friends from particularly those from uni that I've known for a long time and um we've all had children actually and we all work um most of us are part-time but we have all gone back to work and you know one of my friends said to me I think my children would just become a project um if I stayed at home and I think that's a quite a good way of putting it really Mm. because um you'd be so involved with everything that they're doing and uh, you'd be getting in their hair the whole time and I think actually uh, I think as a society uh, I think we need to sort of think about supporting parents Mm. to do um, what they need to do for themselves as well so that they don't uh, you know sit at home and stew and think about every little test their child has to do and and in a competitive way or whatever so no it's it's that's that's really interesting um so does anyone feel that it's getting easier to be a working parent and have a research career Angelique, how do you feel about that? Um, easier in general or easier in in my particular circumstance? I think from your own experience to start with and then what you see within your institute, potentially. Okay. I mean, I think it's it's certainly getting a bit easier for me now that I'm sort of getting better at being more effective at work and then coming home and switching off because I think before I was sort of at work thinking about my baby and then coming home and then thinking about the work I hadn't finished Um, so I've tried to make a bigger effort at when I'm at work I'm at work and I know this is you know in theory it sounds great enough and you can't do that but when I'm good at when I have good days where I can just focus on my work at work and then stop at five I know I'm done when I get back home my mummy again and I I put my phone away I put my laptop away and then I can just really be with her and I think I'm getting much better at doing that and when I get that right then it starts feeling really nice Mm. I don't feel like I'm I'm cheating on either end um, which is what I was feeling before so I think it is getting a bit better in that sense Um, in general as I said I'm, I'm really lucky in that I have two bosses that are both working mums with with three kids each and they've been super supportive um Mm. they really have and you know they'll see a lot of the mums that work that will have to pick up kids at five and they'll say go fetch your kids they don't want us working um Mm. in the evenings and stuff and they're super understanding and that makes such a huge difference Mm. i think and i Mm. think institutions or at least certainly the ones i've been in are getting a bit better at that i think there's still a long way to go Mm. um and obviously it depends on on who's there um, and who your boss is, mm. but that has that's that's helped. Um, and I think um, also just being quite clear with your team and your bosses about where you stand, what's important to you, what you can achieve, what you will do in a day or a week or whatever, is also really helpful. Because I, mm. I found that with myself, a lot of the pressure or a lot of the times that I wasn't getting to things, I sort of was self-imposing in a way I sort of was trying to get back into my research career so I was signing up to all these things and people would then question why I was late or or not there so I think you've got to kind of just understand your limitations manage the expectations and then just be open about it and say I can't get to that this evening Mm. I've got to go home and bath my baby and that's it so 
yeah and that I becomes think, part of the culture then the more people that do exactly that, then it's i think more we're on an upward trend yeah i hope <laughs> Tamron, you have the eldest children here um of all of us um <laughs> Have a really old. <laughs> no, sorry, no, that, that wasn't what I meant. But um, have you seen culture change in the time that you've had children? Well, I've been at, I've only ever had my career at UCL, so I had yeah. the same boss for it was my PhD supervisor. Then he was my boss for my two postdocs. Uh, he retired five years ago, but mm. I'm still lucky enough to work with him. He's in two days a week, but. He has always been super supportive of me having children. You know, they're, they're the priority. If there's an emergency, then I go home to the children. Um, and so for me, I've not really had any hurdles or barriers to having that work-life balance with the children, mm-hmm. I think because of him. Um, but I think nowadays people are talking about it, more people are more open about it. But I think with any supervisor or any boss, it's communication is the key. If you're having problems at home, talk to your boss mm. or your supervisor, work things out, communicate, be honest. Mm. Um, if you're not managing things, then there's people there that you can talk to or can advise. They've been there before. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just be honest and talk to people um, if you're struggling. Um, but obviously, if you have got a particularly difficult boss, then... I suppose the university you can approach for work-life balance measures or and they should come up things. certainly at UCL within your appraisal yeah. scheme which I assume are the universities sort of have those questions yeah once into, a year we're all yeah. appraised so you can raise the, those with your mm. supervisor or your boss mm. um, but I definitely think because we're talking about it more these issues are being raised um, so I think the culture is changing slowly but I think there is still <coughs> a way to go not just for females for male young males mm. with young families as well this affects them as well it's not just females no absolutely and at Salford how, how's the culture there is it is it very supportive it is extremely supportive yeah, yeah. so I had my son um, while I was at Salford um, and I was absolutely supported all the way through it and I think there is there is a lot of it's definitely an upward movement mm. now towards talking and addressing issues associated with equality for example with like the Athena Swan movement what I would say yeah. to people is really um, get involved in that um, yeah. get involved and there is there is still a lot of long way to go um, especially for early career researchers who for example are working on postdocs and they've got a fixed term contract um, both of my pregnancies were in th- fixed term contracts and they were so strategically planned to make sure that I would actually be able to afford to have a child and they were so you know very you know intricately mapped out into my, into my career because um I didn't know whether I would be able to you know afford yeah. to go mm. on maternity leave my first child I was in a was in an 11 month contract right and so yeah. I had to basically decide to have Fall, try to fall pregnant immediately at the wow. start of that otherwise yeah. I wouldn't have any kind of benefits um, maternity benefits um, and so it's it's quite a daunting place to be once you get into a permanent contract then at least you've got um, that kind of extra reassurance um, that, are in, that are in place but there's still a long way to go so there needs yeah. to be some issues um, addressed with respect to how do you support PhD students, how do you support postdocs who are on these short contracts mm. if they are to um, have children covering issues such as maternity leave and mm. pay 
um, paternity leave and pay because um, at the minute that's I think that's where a lot of the, the problem lies once mm. you are um, a permanent member of staff there seems to be much more support and I think it's really putting systems in place to protect the um, early career researchers that we need to be talking about and that's why it's important to have a voice on panels such as you know your, your institutions Athena Swan yeah. um, and anything associated with um, equality because these are issues that that are still there we're definitely getting better we are talking about it mm. a lot more mm. um, there is more support but there's still issues I think that need to be considered yeah and I and um, in terms of my background when I had it took me two years to get pregnant yeah, with my first that's child. It. So you can't so you always can't, pick and choose no. and say, Oh, I'm gonna have it. And I was lucky, I managed to do that. Yeah. I was able I was, to I'm say amazed. I'm I was like, gonna have to get pregnant in March, otherwise I'm gonna <laughs> we've lost a window for a year. <laughs> have to wait for the next contract. <laughs> that's yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. but that's terrible that's, really. That's Looking very, back, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, um, good planning, though. I didn't even think about contracts. <laughs> well, you know, Tara, I'm, I'm very efficient. <laughs> I didn't by the end because you know when when things don't happen as you you know you can yeah, you can plan exactly. when you try, but you can't plan when you actually get mm. pregnant. That is something no. that's beyond you, and and that's quite difficult to deal with as somebody who's quite goal oriented. You've been able in your life, you work towards something, yeah. you get it, and when you've got problems with yeah. fertility or whatever, then all of a sudden it's something you can't instantly no. do something about there's no magic pill so um yeah and then if you if you if that's compounded by a difficult working environment then yeah. it makes it very stressful so yeah but i was rather lucky in that although i'd finished um my um uh, fellowship my first junior fellowship at that time it was it was uh, i was on a contract that actually i managed to get the ucl benefit so i was very lucky ucl were very supportive um so Summing everything up, um, what do you think the, if I come round to all of you, have you got a sort of one tip that you would give to younger um, men and women who are thinking about families and a uh, career in science? Anybody want to go first or shall I pick? Yeah. I'll go first. Tam- <laughs> There's no good time to have children. If you want children, then just go for it you never have enough money it's never the right time in the academic career but everything <clears throat> will work itself out um organization just be super organized um just critique yourself there's always ways that you can organize yourself better <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no matter how many lists you've got but um yeah organization and communicate with your supervisor or your boss that's great Gemma, have you got? I absolutely agree yeah. with Tamarin. Um, there isn't a right time to have kids. You just you got to go for it if you want to do it. But be part of your institution's movement towards equality because um, if you're not happy with your situation when you do have children, then be part of the fight to kind of correct that and make changes. Um, accept and be gentle with yourself. Accept that you can't do everything. Learn to say no learn to prioritise and speak to colleagues who have been through the same thing. You you get the most amazing advice off of the people around you who've been in that situation. So, you know, talk to people and and see how they've um, 
I don't say dealt with the situation. That sounds quite negative. Survived. But survived. <laughs> How they've survived the, the, the joys of childhood and, and parenting. No, speak to your colleagues, you know, have a really good support network around you. If you haven't got a support network, then create one. Just be part of the movement, I would say. That sounds that sounds very wise. And Angelique, mm. have you got any additional things? I, I really like the last one. I think yeah. surrounding yourself with mentors, colleagues, friends that are in similar situations is, is really so important. It's made the world of difference for me because you can do it. And a lot of the time it works out really, really well. And being able to share that with a supportive, positive group of people mm-hmm. just makes all the difference. And then I think sleep. Sleep is king. And <laughs> it's probably a dream in the far distant future. But if you yeah. can sleep well, then you're able to tackle a lot more. So... That would be mine. So sleep as much as you can and get part in. Find your your way to a movement of people. Surround yourself by nice people and be Mm -hmm. nice to yourself. So Mm -hmm. that's all good advice. Um, And the only bit that I can add to that is you will muddle through and it will Mm -hmm. be muddling, but that's what it feels like. But you will will be able to do it. Um, So it's time to end today's podcast recording. I'd like to thank our panellists, Gemma, Tamarin and Angelique, for coming here, particularly those of you who've travelled. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. Profiles on our contributors are now available on the Dementia Researcher website. And please remember to subscribe to this podcast through SoundCloud and iTunes. Tell your friends and colleagues, particularly those that you think might be having children soon, and share via social media using the hashtag ECR Dementia. That's good. Now I'm back to sleep for me. That's <laughs> Thank you. This was a podcast brought to you by Dementia Researcher. Everything you need in one place. Register today at dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk.